I want to make political work that actually talks to our current environment. I think it's important as a thinking individual for us to use our work as a site of protest. Hello and welcome to Arts In, also known as AI. I am here with Samitra Chandratreya. I've always been interested in tackling social issues. I think it comes from my own identity as a queer man, but I was always interested in in having that conversation in a public space. I think it's important for me that that my art kind of occupies that space where I'm talking about a particular issue that's really close to my heart and then I'm putting it out there so that when a viewer looks at it, they either resonate with it or they don't, but then they have a feeling and they can recognize what I'm talking about. I enrolled in school to study product design, industrial design, and then I was going to pursue automobile design for grad school. Mm -hmm. But as good art and design schools do, they make you question every single assumption and every single thought that you have ever had in your Mm. mind. Mm. So you go through like an unlearning process where you are questioning who you are and what you want to do. And so thankfully, it was successful on me. And, and so when I found textile design, I've always had an affinity towards textiles. I just like the feminine nature of them. Both my mother and my grandmother have had these beautiful saris and I've always admired those. I think I had all of this kind of good baggage about textiles that kind of pushed me in that direction. Your clothing is textiles, your upholstery is textiles. They're in your car, they're in your buses. They have so many practical applications that when you see a piece of fabric, you kind of start associating it with something. And I think I like, I really like that, that it has that much power. And I really like using that to my advantage. I use a lot of symbolism in my work and I like that a particular object has a history and I like utilizing that history. I used an American flag, and then I printed headlines about the child separation policy and and the names of the two young children who died in the CBP custody as a tool of protest of what a falsely cultivated national identity can do. And so the flag without the stars and stripes, it's just a piece of fabric with the stars and stripes, it has so many meanings and connotations. And I like using that association that we all have with national flags as a tool to critique rampant xenophobia. So I I really like using the textiles that, that have a lot of meaning in themselves and then transforming them. In that same installation, I used lots of foil blankets. I created a podium that I covered in a foil blanket, and then I had a replica of White House sitting on top of it in front of the flag. So, and the foil blankets again relate to the blankets that were given to the children that are in the detention centers. Foil is such a domestic medium. I really like using that and kind of populating the imagery with it because when you walk into that installation, you 
you're kind of questioning what is all this foil doing here. Right, right. Uh, but then when you kind of have a conversation with me about it or when you start digging into it, you kind of realize where the foil comes from. And you also had two sides of a crib. Yes. There were children's toys or slippers and yeah, there were, real kids stuff. Yeah, so there were two pieces of crib on either side of the flag. In, in one of the pieces, I cut out strips of foil blanket and then I wove them through the crib. And then I had a long piece connect that to the foil blankets that I had laying on the floor. And then in the other one, I had a bunch of children's clothing and toys that were kind of sandwiched behind the piece of the crib. And then it also had a few pieces of foil blankets interspersed with the clothing. And then it had a piece that kind of came out of it and then it connected to the blanket. I was thinking about kind of crib as as a space and a place where children start dreaming in a way. They are kind of growing up in this confined space, but that's where they are kind of dreaming of who they are or who they want to become. And I wanted to portray these same spaces for the migrant children who are fleeing violence and coming to the United States as like these jail cells that our government is putting them in. So I was kind of working on all those Mm -hmm. really loaded topics. And then there was also some barbed wire. There was a barbed wire on top, yeah. It's a very frightening and powerful piece. It, It came from heart. I want to make political work that actually talks to our current environment. I think it's important as a, as a thinking individual for us to use our work as a site of protest in a way, as a space where you can talk about how you are really feeling with what's going on around you. And, and I think it really comes from my upbringing as a, in a secular democracy that you can talk about how you're feeling, and criticism is okay. Democracy thrives on criticism. It's an important tool for us to advance to the next sure. level, so. Well, one of the things that struck me, so you grew up in India. Yes. You went to the Art Institute of Chicago, and mm-hmm. so you have a master's in design. You are an artist. You live in this wonderful community, um, you know, in Pinellas County with a great center of art in St. Pete. You live in a very privileged state. On the other hand, as an immigrant, I think it must be a very scary and kind of upsetting time and place as well. Absolutely. When I moved to Chicago to go to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago in 2015, I was dreaming about United States having its first female president. And I remember the day after the 2016 election, I was on the train going to the school and I remember the train excuse me I remember the train being completely silent because everyone was grieving from the shock and as a as a gay man it it kind of really pained me but yeah it's painful to live through this at the same time I know Whenever we come out of this, we're going to come out much stronger as a civilization just because of these growing pains that we are going through. Uh, I think that's how I look at it. We have got to have some hope. 
about where we are and I think it will teach all of us something about ourselves. But yeah, it is really emotionally painful to be an immigrant. But but at the same time, like you said, I do have a lot of privilege. I do not face the intimidation that someone who is undocumented might face. You make very beautiful things. The project you did for Creative Pinellas for the Emerging Artist, it's coffee filters and each one of them you painted or drew or did something and it's very beautiful. And so it strikes me that as an artist, you could very easily make a choice and be quite successful simply making beautiful things because you're so good at that. Right. And yet you have decided as an artist to make very political work and very challenging work, maybe also doing both. Right. That's a, that's a very brave choice. I think I would go back to my point where as a thinking individual, as an educated individual, I feel like it's my job to make challenging political work because if I won't make it, who else? Mm-hmm. Or, I, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. it's not about my ego, but it's 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 kind of about if if I don't make challenging work, then I'm letting down anyone who is of brown skin and and queer who might be interested in making their voice heard but don't have the tools because I have the tools and I have the agency and so it's a choice that I make because I can and I like making beautiful things as well so I'm stepping on both those stones but I find that that it really enriches me when I'm doing both Mm -hmm. as opposed to one or the other. I always try and see if I can combine the two and I'm really interested in making things that don't look harmful or that don't look like they have a bite. But when you actually look at them and understand what they're about, they're political or they have some sort of a message to them. It's my strategy to draw in a viewer who might be offended by a political work but still wants to engage with my art and and so those abstract works kind of come from that strategy of of still making political work but making it look beautiful i think beauty has a lot of power it draws you in it catches our attention we put a lot of effort into making things beautiful and i like using that strategy to talk to a person who might not respond to my work otherwise. So tell me about, if you would pick a piece, walk us through the process, you know, because a textile artist is is a very different process than a painter or sculptor or whatever. So how, how do you make your things? I do collect a lot of things that I might use in future. Like for example, the crib pieces, I found three of them on the side of the road in my neighborhood and I brought them home because I knew I had a show coming and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with them, but I like using found objects. So a lot of the times I start with either an object or something that I have at my disposal and then I start assigning meaning to it. For example, the 
coffee filter piece. Mm -hmm. It's called clinging on to iced coffee. I was using Chemex coffee filter to make my coffee every day. And then our neighbor told us that the coffee grounds are really good for your plants. So we were throwing out the grounds in the plants and then and then we would wash the coffee filters so that we could recycle them. And then one of the days when I was washing out the coffee filters, I'm a very tactile person, so as I was feeling them, I started thinking about how wonderful it would be if I can use this somehow in my art. It's a beautiful paper, and I use the coffee filters that are about 12 inch in diameter when you unfold them. And one day, I started drawing on them with markers that I had in my studio. I was really interested in preserving the stains that were already on the coffee filters because I had already used them. So they had a history. Mm -hmm. They had a connection. They were my personal coffee filters. And, and they're everyday objects. Mm -hmm. And so I started drawing on the coffee filters with these markers. And I started drawing around the coffee stains that were already on the filters. And that gave me a guideline to make my images on them. And I'm really drawn to image making that's not necessarily planned all the time. But as I was making them, I started planning what the next one might be or what kind of colors I might use. So I use kind of brush markers, I use studio markers, I use Sharpies, and I also use really fine point felt pens sometimes. What I like about this process is it gives me time to think about how to proceed further. It kind of holds my thought as I'm drawing them. It's really meditative. And I'm really drawn to color, so I like using a lot of color in my work. So what's so interesting to me is you're talking about this. So the coffee filters are historical. And then you're working on them and you're thinking about the future, what the next coffee right. filter you're yes. going to do. Very interested in color, whereas the coffee stains would be a shade of brown right. one way or another. So monochromatic, no color. And it's so interesting to me because I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with that sculpture. And I don't know how many pieces there were to it, but there was a 89. Lot, 89 coffee filters encased in resin and hanging on a really interesting shape. Very beautiful and striking because it's 3D. And it's really interesting because when you see them encased in resin, they transform and become something else. They're no more what they were meant to be. Right. And I like transforming what the original use for an object was. I'm also expanding the definition of what a textile might be. But what I like about when they're encased in resin is that then people can derive their own meaning from mm -hmm. it. A lot of people think that they're glass mm. because of the translucency that the resin attains. A lot of people think that they're petri dishes because the forms are abstract, the images are abstract. A lot of people can't believe that they started as coffee filters right. because they don't look anything like a coffee filter. So I like this idea of, of transforming something that, that's a domestic object, but I'm elevating it to a status of fine art. Printing on fabric allows me to do is play with transparency and opacity 
it's kind of like painting where you're kind of adding layers to get to an image. And since fabric or textiles, it's a medium that likes being transformed into something, you can make something 3D out of it or 2D and it, it all it lends itself to your thought and your vision. I have a piece that talks about HIV AIDS crisis and this notion of sensuality, sexuality, and this notion of expressing your true sexuality, where I used fresh apples and glass vials that were filled with fake blood, and they kind of hang as two arcs, but they are kind of inversely proportional to each other. But I've been collecting a lot of prescription bottles. I want to do something with them. It kind of relates to that particular installation. I'm interested in having that installation kind of be in a space where the apples will rot and fall. Oh, wow. And and that kind of gives it a very different connotation. And so I want to revisit that piece. All right. I've really been enjoying this conversation. You're, so you think about your work so carefully and you place it in the world so carefully. I've been talking with Sumitra Chandracheya. Thank you so much for being with us here today in this conversation. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. I'm Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, the Creative Pinellas podcast, sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners. Visit St. Petersburg Clearwater and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley. And if you're enjoying this program, we hope you'll take a moment to give us a review. It's easy to subscribe to on your favorite podcast service. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.